Friends with Employee Benefits podcast listeners. I am so excited. We're in a new year. It's 2022, and therefore, we're starting a new season of the podcast. And today, we have a special guest, Stephanie Johnson. Stephanie recently joined the One Digital team, and she's had a long career in, amongst other things, uh, as a training consultant. Stephanie trains, does corporate training on all sorts of different subjects, including the subject that we're going to cover today, which is diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. So this is yet another really chock full episode. You're really going to enjoy it. I love this conversation. You're going to love it too. Take a listen. Stephanie, thanks so much for joining us. And I want to start here. Um, I think there are a lot of employers out there that really do truly want to hire for more diversity. But before we get into that, let's chat a little bit about what hiring for diversity even means. You know, that question comes up almost every single place that I go. They're talking about, this is a common conversation. And it doesn't matter which industry, right? Government industry, nonprofit, uh, corporations, private sector, everything just is talking about the same thing. So when you talk about diversity, some of the obvious things would pop into your head, gender, race, ethnicity, but diversity really expands to so much more than that, especially when we're talking about hiring. We really want to talk about, you know, education. We want to talk about uh, experience. We want to talk about just all the other aspects that makes us individual individuals. But then really it comes back to increasing our talent pool by reaching across what might be perceived boundaries to get to hiring the best talent. Does that make it a little more, it sounds like it almost got a little more complicated because it goes beyond what you're saying. It goes beyond race, ethnicity, gender, sexuality, or any of that. And, and you really have to also be thinking about diversity of uh, experience, uh, background, uh, perspective, yeah. and all those other things. And it, it just seems like we just made it even more, <laughs> if it's difficult, it, we made it even more difficult. Well, just to remember to, you know, to simplify it, what some of the obvious things that we may count as far as diversity goes, we want to consider some of the other pieces that we'll be gaining with that. And that somewhat makes it more simplistic. So in other words, I'm not necessarily going out and trying to expand what might be six or seven characteristics or uh, things that we're actually counting for diversity. We really want to make sure that they're in tandem with some of the backgrounds and some of the other things that would make it where we're really getting more rounded group and we're actually increasing our talent pool to be, you know, the capability of our talent pool to be even larger. In the end, we, we do want to make sure we're hiring the, the, the right person for the job, but that means that we are hiring for diversity of thought and, and, and opinion and all other kinds of diversity. Absolutely. When you get the right person for the job, but you may realize that this right persons that you've gotten in the past are only coming from this limited pool. Well, what yeah. would happen if we increase that pool, right? Yeah, yeah. There are yeah. more, there are more people that are qualified and we want to make sure that we're expanding to give um, ourselves the best chance of capturing the most diverse group of people as well. So I want to come back to that, Stephanie, but before we do that, there's been a strong business case for diversity in the workplace. You sort of just barely you know, touched on it a little bit just now. Uh, 
Well, we've known that that diversity actually makes an organization stronger. Have we been making good progress, though, in driving more diversity in the workplace? You know, I love the fact that you said progress, right? And you're not talking about a destination at this point. So overall, I'm going to give you a short answer and then I'll back into it. So the answer, if you just wanted it to be a yes or a no, is it would be no, we're not there yet. However, if we're looking for a tangible evidence of, yes, we've been making these efforts and these efforts have actually made it where we gain these particular things, it's too, it's too soon to tell, okay? It's too soon on those, on those ends. However, there's a progression that we're going to go through. And for those of us that are listening today, I really wanna talk about that when you're talking about increasing your applicant pool, then you really kind of go through a progression of unconscious bias to conscious bias to conscious inclusion and then inclusive habits. So because there are stages that you're going to go through, then these efforts that we're making now are, a lot of them are in the unconscious bias and conscious bias piece. And when we get to those inclusive habits area, then we're really going to see uh, the efforts that we're putting in today yield on the other end. Well, can, can you explain what you, I think everybody knows what unconscious bias, what you mean by that, but what do you mean, what do you mean by conscious bias? I love the fact that you asked me that. So when we talk about unconscious bias, that's really going to be biases that we're not aware of. But then we may do some investigation and realize that we're, we're aware of the biases that exist today and that may be excluding certain applicants from being able to get into our pool. So then we need to know what we need to do about that. Then we move into conscious inclusion. Now we're intentional about what we're doing to make sure that we're including. And then when we get into inclusive habits, it's just part of how we do business, right? So we're mentioned as a company who... This is the way that we actually do our uh, business, our hiring practices, our recruiting practices, our retention, all of those type of things. And are there, so in that progression, you, you, in general, we, we have a ways to go. I think you said we, we've made some progress, but a lot of work to do. But I have to imagine that there are certain industries and sectors maybe that are further along than others, or am I, am I wrong about that? No, there are certain industries that already had practices. They, in other words, before, uh, things may have hit the news or it may have been more common that everyone's efforts are going this way, they were already down the road. So there are other industries and I'm not going to necessarily name the, the companies on this particular session, but you can really go out there and just kind of um, look into who's really kind of leading the pack as far as that goes and some of their best practices. And a lot of that stuff is on SHRM that you can see some of the, the uh, people. That, and I, when I say SHRM, I hope that people understand that who I'm talking about there, the Society of Human Resources yep. Management. At that point, they can really kind of see that these are the industries that are already, that are leading now, but they started their practices way before. If you go on SHRM and you do a little research on that and you find you're sitting within an industry that's, generally lagging behind, you have a little more work to do. Yeah, a little more work to do. And what I don't want people to, to think about is this, this is not instantaneous. So we're going to put some work in and we'll yield the benefits of it down the road, as opposed to it's like a light switch. We turn this on and all of a sudden we're there. No, we're just going to make a commitment to it and then, and then go through the progress. For, for, the, for people listening in, you know, Stephanie, what can they start doing today to start recruiting more for diversity? 
um, you know, what, what are there steps that people should follow? Because you mentioned this, that really where you have to focus is on your recruiting efforts so that you can fill that applicant pool with a more diverse, uh, you know, pool of applicants, right? Yes. What are the steps? What is somebody, what, like, if you could say, number one, first thing you have to do is X, what would that be? So number one, you need some, we need some more awareness training ourselves. We're going to be part of that. And what do we know and what do we not know? So training for yourself. If I said that, drop everything else that we're doing and let's make sure that we understand what we know and that we learn what we don't know. That's training for, for a leadership a leadership team or anybody who's going to be in a, in a hiring manager type Absolutely. of position. Absolutely. Any hiring managers, anyone that's going to be touching the applicants themselves right? Then there needs mm-hmm. awareness training. So everything that I'm giving you are steps for those or to include, be inclusive with the, who you just named. The second part is, let's talk about reworking some of our job descriptions. Some of our job descriptions are very limiting in what they have on them. Some of them are not, have, have biases in them and we don't even realize it, right? So reworking those would be another thing. Can you give an example of that, Stephanie? Absolutely. So I've, I've gone to industry, I've gone to companies where they're removing a lot of the he, she pronouns that are in their job descriptions to be more inclusive. So therefore, there is a sector of people that don't identify with either. And so if I'm going to say he or she's job duties, then that means that I'm excluding those who, that don't identify with a he or she. And, and, you, and you, can re, you can replace that with the successful candidate will or, or exactly. just, just the sort of non-specific language. Absolutely. We can go more with more with the noun than, than pronouns at this point if we want to make sure that we're going to be more inclusive. And Got so just, just something very simple like that, just looking through our job descriptions, are there anything, is there anything there that's really limiting us from branching out? So one of the other things that you're going to hear more often is when you go in, going blind and, you know, we may do a deeper dive into that in just a few minutes, but just as far as, you know, uh, blind for the review or blind for the actual uh, applicants, uh, applications, resume, any of those things is always a good suggestion. Standardizing your interviews would be another one of the things that you could do. Um, anything that you want to make sure that you're auditing your applicant pool. Have we been sourcing from the same source resource all this time? And what do we need to do to expand that? So sometimes we just as leadership or as some of the hiring personnel, we need to see, are we actually just limiting to ourselves too much in our applicant pool? So I I definitely wanted to talk to you about this. I'm glad you went there. You, You mentioned blind resumes and blind interviews and I, I you know step back for us and explain what you what you mean by that so you know, i've heard this and i've seen this done in so many different ways that have been successful where it's be simply if i actually go ahead and take the applicant's names and just remove the name off the application Remove the name off the resume. And when you're reading the qualifications, then would it be something that happens by me taking off 
a, a name and yeah. read it. And then, well, you can replace the name and say, man, would that have changed how I picked this person in the first place? Or huh. if I remove where you're not getting a chance to view if I'm tall, right? Or if I have, you know, um, certain attributes that maybe you have in common with me, right? Or are dissimilar to you, then at that point, I'm purely judging on hearing your qualifications. So what we do as individuals, because we're all humans, we give ourselves the best plan, the best chance to be as objective as possible when we remove some of the things that just naturally happen by you seeing something and then boom, confirmation bias, you know, may set it. So a blind resume would be no, no name, maybe no address. Mm-hmm. Would that would that be true as well? So so nothing on the resume. And your schooling, all of those type of things. So in other words, you completed this many years of school, but maybe not necessarily the school that you went to in order to complete that. I've even seen it gone as far as that. And then a blind interview would be that you're 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 not even face, you're not, there's not even a video on. Not right. only are you not face to face in person, right, but it's literally you you don't have a visual Absolutely. to that. Absolutely. Absolutely. You do get a chance to, you know, hear them take. I mean, there's going to be audio, but at that point, there's no video. And I have seen organizations go to that to make sure that they're giving themselves, you know, a chance to increase the applicant pool that, that maybe it's because of what they may see visually. I've even seen when it comes to resumes, there's been some studies done, right? where you actually switch the, the applicant name. So in other words, the applicant name is not necessarily blank, but maybe some of the applicant names are more Anglo sounding names more so than some of the ethnic type names. So what I wanna add to, to anything that we do, we yeah. wanna make sure that we, anytime that you're going to start playing around with blind resumes, blind uh, applications, blind interviews, I don't think that it's complete unless you compare it. So in other words, if you do do some of these exercises that we're talking about, Mm -hmm. then make sure we're going back and then when the names are replaced or after we've gotten a chance to meet those, then we pause as the, the hiring managers, the hiring departments and see, was there any biases there? And then what we can do is we can learn from that. And we can learn to check our own biases where we don't have to necessarily have everything be blind, but we can actually learn from what we learn from ourselves. Well, that would be part of the process of going from unconscious to conscious. A hundred percent. Bias. A hundred percent. I'm a little concerned though, Stephanie, because it seems to me we, so we're talking about, you know, potentially blind resumes, blind interviews, and which is, which is great, but it, it's almost maybe it's too late at that point because before you even get the resume, I mean, don't we even need to, to think about how we expand that we have more diversity in the number of people who are applying for the job. So, you know, so before we even get to the resume and certainly before we get to the interview, how do we expand the, 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 the applicant pool and um, two part question, Stephanie, and, you know, and, it seems like that would be particularly difficult in industries that maybe 
historically haven't attracted, for whatever reason, a, di a, a diverse pool of applicants? That's a very good question that you're asking there. So what I have, what I really want us to do is, I kind of mentioned it when I talked about audit your, your applicant pool. Mm -hmm. there's, there's a broader umbrella and we really need to check our network, right? Mm. And audit where you're sourcing your applicants from, but also ask, you know, asking yourself, how did you even get in touch with these resources, right? So I think that more so than our applicant pool, what's the higher umbrella above that is auditing your own network. So for yeah. instance, right, how, how, do we, how do we get a good mentor in this area? How do we re get resources from places we would have never even began to, to even source from before? So our network is really what's driving that. So I think if we sit there and we ask ourselves some questions of who would I normally, you know, go to in this particular and, and why do I go to that? And what are some of the ones that I'm missing? Well, maybe I need to ask some of my peers. Maybe I need to get a mentor who's further down the road than that to be able to expand that thought for us. You know, we're relying on these, you know, kind of recruiting centers of influence, if you will. But if they're not focused on diversity, then by default, we're also not going to get the applicant pool that, that, that's as diverse as we want it to be. So let's back up a half a step. Some of the things that I see people doing when it comes to increasing how they're recruiting is I think that many organizations, to your point, are jumping in in what would be more, if we looked at steps, would be step three and four and haven't really focused on step number one. Let me give you for instance for that. If I were going to say, okay, I want to be more diverse, I want to increase my applicant pool, or I want to increase the diversity in my organization to match my demographics, to serve my customers, all of those things, then I need to ask myself step number one, what does what is my, my initiative look like? How succinct is my mission, right? And who all knows about it? So we can actually all work together to be able to get that. To me, that's step number one, rather than jumping in at the applicant pool, because that's more step three and four. Huh. And what I mean when I say that? Yeah, well, I, did, I wasn't in my mind going back far enough. I thought I was being smart by realizing, hey, you know, you've really got to think about where you're getting your applicants and how you, but, but it even, it, you have to back up even further than that. Yes, so step one, you know, would be overall mission. Step yeah. two would be, what does my organization look like right now? And yeah. what do I want it to look like? So mm. all of that needs to be clear because otherwise you're aiming for a target that we don't know what that target is. So once everybody's behind that, and then how does it tie to my overall company's mission? So my commitment statement to how we're gonna increase our demographics, I mean, our applicants to match our demographics needs to be closely tied to why we're in business in the first place, right? And those steps come before. Do we have some kind of task force or committee that's dedicated to increasing it? So that's step three. Step four would be, what does our, you know, increasing the applicant pool look like? That's step four. So those three steps that preceded that really help give yeah. us momentum, direction, and focus that now we know exactly where we're heading. You mentioned the word target and, um, 
it makes me wonder, like, what, like, what does success look like? I mean, in, because some people might think, well, geez, success would be that our workforce mirrors the larger demographic in, in, in the community. But how do you even measure that, particularly when you've expanded diversity beyond physical traits and, and into like, you know, background and perspective and, and, and stuff like that that aren't that are, that you can't really spot visually. Yes. So how do you measure, how do you measure success here? I guess that's the, I'll simplify the question. How do we, how do we, what does success look like? You know, that's a very good question that you're asking me with that. And I'm going to say this, some, some lessons in life we've learned about what isn't is how we know what is. And sounds like a trick saying that I'm saying there, but let me just explain. So if I am serving my community or I'm serving my customer base and my leadership team all looks a certain way today, mm -hmm. then are we happy with that? Is my, are my customers happy with that? Mm -hmm. Are the employees who are currently employed happy with that? Do, do the employees who are, who are working within the organization feel like there is enough movement, right, for, for, for it to be more diverse? So my point of that is it's great to be able to try to go out and count numbers and say, do we have these numbers over here? Yeah. But remember who we're serving in the first place. And would we be satisfied or would the customers be satisfied with what we're representing today? That tells you that should be the catalyst to do we need to change? Yeah, I, if I'm reading you right, I mean, some of it is just sort of intuitive. Like we, if we're being honest and we take a look around, like, we, you know, you know whether or not you've got a, a, a diverse workforce or not, uh, just by an honest, you know, an honest look at, at, at who's on the team. Who's on the team? Is there an elephant in the room? Is something that we're something that we just don't want to voice mm -hmm. or change at this point. All of those things are indicators, right? For mm -hmm. us to be able to say that there needs to be a change or we're on track. Yes, we have a whole lot of other things that we can measure in diversity, but the, the real metrics are still going to always remain to some of the things that you can see. And yep. we're all human when people look at, you know, who's um, doing what in your organization, then we want to make sure that the people who were serving in the first place are happy, our, our, our customers first and then our employees next. Last question, I think, which is a very open-ended question. What did I miss? I'm sure I missed something. What, what else do we need to talk about as it relates to diversity and inclusion in the workplace? Well, I started to bridge, you know, our conversation to this piece just a minute ago, when we talk about it's one thing for us to make put all these initiatives into hiring and that's what i hear a lot of hiring and make sure that we're recruiting to be more diverse however we want to make sure that that the employees who are leaving our organization are not the same applicants that we just recruited uh, yeah so do you understand what I'm uncovering when I say that, when we say, what do we miss? Well, so yes, your, your retention efforts have to mirror your recruiting efforts. And so if we forget 
to even count that? And yeah. do I, am I ready for this increased applicant pool? Am I ready to be able to have my leadership team uh, make people want to stay at this organization and attract more talent just like we actually uh, received? Or are people going out of the door just as fast as they come in because we already had an environment that kind of excluded them in the first place? Yeah, that's tough, isn't it? Like if you're in the, in, if an organization is pretty early in its journey of, of, of creating more diversity in their workforce, you know, it could be that people come on board and they look around and go, wait a second, you know, uh, I'm not sure I feel good here. And they're gone just as soon as they, like, what do you do about that? Well, there's two things that, you know, all people want. They want to belong and they want to feel unique. Yeah. And too much of one without the other is just as bad as not having it at all. So what are people looking for? The balance of belonging and being unique. And that means feeling included. And that's the inclusive habits that I was talking about. Right. Yeah. So if we are putting our efforts into those type of things, happy employees who feel part of the organization are going to give us full efforts. Anything less than that would be, okay, we put all these efforts in, we have all the tools, we have all the metrics, and we actually set up satellites at some of these colleges that we would have never done before to make sure that we can actually increase these applicant pools. Oh, but then within two months, all of them leave. Mm. That's, yeah. what we, that's what we would miss. And we wanna make sure that we're not doing that. Yeah, so it's important that, you know, that everyone feels a sense of, of, of uh, cohesiveness and unity and, and uh, belonging, I guess, is the most in, important word, as you said, mm -hmm. uh, once they're on the team. Absolutely. So what we can do by that are going to be some simple human things that just about everyone needs. Everyone wants to feel part of an organization. They want yeah. to feel heard. They want to make sure that they feel like they can add a contribution it's some of those simple things that we can get back to in the rush of life now, right? And then us being dispersed remotely adds to uh, me making my own conclusion about how Jeff feels as opposed to how knowing how you really feel. Yeah, yeah. All right, Stephanie, and anything else that we missed? No, I just think that what, what we're, I think what we're doing is, I, I think that people need to be encouraged that the efforts that they're going through, right, are not going to be in vain if they are increasing their applicant pool. The second thing I want to leave you with is whatever pool that you've increased to, make sure you have in place what makes people stick, the ones who are already there and then the new ones that are coming in. And then I'm just going to say, and just keep doing what you're doing at that point. Great. Thank you. Thanks for bringing that up. That's a really important uh, point to make about, about you know, uh, it doesn't end once you've extended the offer. Now you've got to walk the talk and, and make sure they truly feel that, that they're in the right place. Absolutely. So we got to do a lot of checking of ourselves to yeah, make yeah. sure that we can, because we all play a part. Yes. All right, Stephanie, it's been a pleasure. But before we let you go, we always ask our guests to answer a few rapid fire questions just so we can get to know you a little bit better. Can you do that for us? I'm ready for the rapid fire. Okay, first thing that comes to mind, drink of choice in the morning. I like water. Favorite food. I like fish, all types of fish. 
All right. Last thing you watched on TV. I watched the replay of the Australian Open, Nadal getting his 21st. Uh, oh, wow. Yes. What was your very first job? I was a janitor. I'm a janitor's child. So I, my dad owned a commercial janitorial, so I cleaned toilets. At One Digital this year, Stephanie, you probably know this, our theme is to be all in. So how do you plan on being all in in 2022? I'm all in with the diversity, equity, and inclusion, right? I add the B in parentheses at the end, uh, complete package that we have to offer to make sure that people have the tools that they need to move, to move forward in this uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion model. So we actually, I'm all in as far as whatever needs to go into that toolkit to help us move forward. Great. Stephanie Johnson, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, everyone listening, we really do sincerely appreciate you tuning in. Uh, this has been the first episode of a new season of Friends with Employee Benefits, and thanks for joining us.